0: Hello there. You're listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Katherine Kelly, your host. Today, we are speaking with Mark Fedor, CEO of Morgan Industries, an Alliance, Ohio-based manufacturer of material handling systems and production solutions. The company specializes in the construction of large-scale industrial overhead cranes and steel mill equipment. Under Mark's 16-year tenure as CEO, this 152-year-old company is leading its industry in the adoption of automation and other industry 4.0 technologies. Mark began his career at Morgan after college. He then pursued an opportunity to build a steel plant at Steel Dynamics in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and then was lured back to the company where his father, grandfather, and great-grandfather made their living. Mark has been a member of the Association for Iron and Steel Technology, AIST, since 1996, serving on the crane committee and a number of other subcommittees. He earned his bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering at the University of Akron, and he is licensed as a professional engineer in the state of Ohio. Mark, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you, Catherine. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show.
0: Morgan has an incredibly rich history. How has it changed and adapted over the past 150 years?
1: Ooh, I love this question, uh, uh, when we celebrated our 150th anniversary, I got the opportunity to bring back some of uh, the local people that have retired with the company and, uh, and got to uh, create a history book that I thought that, that, that documented the 150-year history. And the one thing that came out about Morgan is it's a company that was on the forefront of innovation. They were the pioneers of like the first two industrial revolutions. And then we seem to take the uh, the third third revolution, industrial revolution off, but we're back at it here with the fourth industrial Revolution, which is the industry 4.0 uh, concepts.
0: In what shape sure. did you find the company after you agreed to return to Ohio? <laughs>
1: well this is a great uh, this is a this is a good story that I've told a lot of people. Uh, when I came back home, I was coming back home to my hometown where I was born and raised So as you, as you articulated uh, that, you know, my, my grandfather and great grandfather and father made, made a living here. And I, I, as a kid, you know, I grew up running around the facility, so I knew what was here and I knew the people and with any great organization, it is about the people and the people haven't changed, uh, but because of the, uh, the taking the third industrial revolution off, they weren't innovating anymore. And they weren't, they didn't have the vision, they were surviving, it was in survival mode. And I'm not gonna cry. After my first day on a job as CEO, I went home that night to an apartment that I was renting because my wife and kids were still back in Fort Wayne. Uh, and uh, I laid in bed that night thinking, uh, what did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I don't, I mean, I tell that story though, know, making sure that people understand that the, that the, the people are, uh, are amazing and they're, and they kept it, they survived through this period of time that was, that has been very difficult on the steel industry here in America. And as, as your sole support, you know, uh, uh or lifeline, you know, being the steel industry during this time period of the nineties and early two thousands, it was been very difficult, you know, to, to survive, but they found a way. And so, uh, so when i came back it was uh i felt like uh you know was on the verge of not being around and it wasn't going to make it to the 150 in in, uh probably within six to eight months after i took over and uh it really uh caused me to reflect on (laughs) what did i just get into but uh but i but i had a plan when i came back because i knew what the people were capable of and so uh, that I put my uh my thoughts to it before I before I took over the company and uh brought the plan in and it was amazing how the people responded.
0: How in the world did you figure out where to start?
1: <laughs> well, when when you're when you're at the bottom, it's easy. You just start doing something and grab the low hanging fruit off the tree. <laughs> so uh but like anything, you know, it's it's establishing a vision, right? To rally everybody around. You know, we you know, I and I came in and 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 told people we're going to we're going to make something happen. We're going to get back to what we are, what we what, what our roots are, and that's that's innovation, you know. So, and and to get back to compete on a global scale, you know, you have to challenge the possibilities of today by thinking differently, which is our vision statement that it still resonates here today. And then once you get that vision established, you know, and you get purpose and a mission developed along with it you know, and, and what I knew from being in the steel industry for the stint that I was in it, that it, it's about safety. It's about improving efficiency. It's about delivering value. And, and so I, I put our purpose and mission statement together as, you know, we're positioning our customers for success by enhancing safety, improving efficiency, delivering value through the world's most advanced custom solutions. And then I added, while building a better future for our employees and community, because we're a reasonably large employer for the community here. It's just a small town. So we have to have our obligation to our community. And what that does is it basically attracts people to your organization. And that's what you want, you want to be able to do so that you can find your workforce to, to keep growing the business as you turn it around. And then, and then I set core values. You know, and that's the, that's the, 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 those first three things are what needed to be done again. And what I, what I, what I found interesting is after we went through all this process of establishing vision and establishing purpose and establishing core values, when we brought, I brought the committee together to research for the 150th anniversary, I thought I was on the forefront of something, but the family that owned it originally through, through, through till 1990 or 1955. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. <laughs> They did all that same thing too. And that's why they were very successful at what they did and established a brand that is recognized worldwide and globally because they got those three things right, you know, and, and what they were going to uphold and and uh, uh, and stand behind. Um, and then it was like, to your point, the low-hanging fruit, IT infrastructure upgrades to the plant, you know, 3D modeling and finite element analysis into uh, engineering, the engineering uh curriculum here at the plant, manufacturing process changes, you know, a lot of the manufacturing ta- techniques that were here were antiquated, consuming large amount, amounts of time. And, you know, when we walked around and I and you start challenging the, the, the possibilities of today, my thinking differently, you know, we we brought, we invented new techniques to save time and yet maintain the, the Morgan High standards of manufacturing excellence, you know, so there's that there's that yin and yang of this is the way we've always done it versus, hey, this is the way we could do it. It's going to save us time. But the most important part to saving time, you cannot give up your quality and your excellence with it. So, you had to make sure that the techniques and processes that you were changing uh, were going to uh, not make an inferior product of what you were known for. And then the, the, the fourth probably key point that, that, that was a turning point for us was, setting the course towards the vision of Industry 4.0 and, and acquiring the talent and the know-how to uh, to get down that path,
0: so. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Uh, how has uh, automation, big data, predictive analytics, uh, everything that, that goes into uh, Industry 4.0 changed your business?
1: Oh, it, it, it's, it's revolutionary uh, because it, it took us, it, you know, it got us away from, as I started at the beginning, articulating that we were in survival mode to, to everybody wanting to come and, aqua- you know, and look for you to go through their process and get into this Industry 4.0 technology. Because once you've done a, a couple of these big projects, um, uh, like we did for uh, a customer of ours, Big River Steel and, 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 and ATI in uh, Pittsburgh and Newport in uh, South Carolina, these particular projects put you at the forefront. You're leading instantaneously. We are we are in the lead with doing this this uh, uh, this big data automation and predictive analytics uh, technology. So we all understand that time is money, right? And with big data coupled with automation, predictive analytics it exploits the inefficiencies that are too complex to logically think and find through normal human rational thinking. Now, for example, I you know, to, to explain that statement, you know, I could be studying a process to try to understand why I'm only producing X pace during this given period of time. And the normal human would, would start to look at the machine, would start to look at the rules of what it's supposed to be doing and things like that. And maybe not understand that the level three business system, the way the order is being processed, you know, at the level three side at order entry is causing the machine to perform and do a task inefficiently because of the way that particular process is set up so with big data all those inputs from all the downstream processes and upstream processes are laid at your fingertips so you as the human when you look at it go oh i gotta do this this is this, and this and we gotta go up there and change that and now i can produce at a faster pace and create more product through the inefficiency or through uh, get rid of the inefficiency that was there we all, as humans, can find the easy ones, but it's the difficult ones that are very complex that have, you know, that 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 have a lot of, lot of uh, variables to them that are that are that are that are difficult to find, and, and the 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 big data puts it right there in front of you, you know, uh, so that you can see that very quickly.
0: For our audience, it might be helpful to uh, to visualize this through an example. I watched a video of your coal yard manage- management system automation for Big River Steel. You just mentioned that. That must yeah. have been a massive undertaking.
1: Oh, it was it was incredible. Um, you know, and I and I encourage anybody that's listened to ends up listening to this podcast to uh, to go out and on our website and look at it because when you think about this for a second, you're, you're handling a fifty five ton coil of steel. And you're moving that coil steel at 650 feet a minute and these machines then set it down so ever ever so gently to not damage and we track all the the data of how that coil was made all the downstream processes that it went through and uh and and keep that forever so so that if there's any any issue downstream when this when this coil is made into a part or a widget somewhere for for a a downstream process that they can come back and have that information forever you know to to track on it it's not lost and uh and they know that the the coils are held you know stored indoors so they're not exposed to the to the elements of the weather outside they're not handled multiple times by these machines that uh like fork truck machines that uh, that damaged the coils of steel would because of the constant in and out through the eye of the coil and that's yield loss and so that's that's profit loss to the to the steel producer um and the, the the rust and stuff that happens from the from the weather is is profit loss and yield loss you know uh that they have when it gets to the downstream process because the customer paid for x but they couldn't use they can only use y so that difference is you know is a, is a claim and uh by being able to put this indoors and track everything uh, down to the millisecond, you know <laughs> it is—it's uh, incredible to see it, see it operate.
0: Well, it is quite a dance. Given your vantage point and um, and your work uh, in AIST's digitalization of industry and material handling subcommittee, uh, what do you see as the as the, or what do you predict will take hold in your industry over the next five to ten years? Well.
1: That's a great question. Uh, the autonomous machines, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, we were the first company in 79 to make an attempt at it with uh, Madsen terminals out, out in California for the, the container industry and the container industry is really moving towards that at a rapid pace. And now it's driving back down to to the, the steel industry and other industries uh, uh, other than steel. Uh, but those autonomous machines are becoming um more user fr- or more friendly to the human through ground-based safety technology and that's been kind of the shortcoming uh, that technology for ground-based safety has prevented you know automation from really grip and hold you know in 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 some of these other industries because of how dangerous it is or, or in that industry to be around hot metal or 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 coils of steel or different things like that so as the ground-based safety has evolved, the autonomous machines are here to stay, ground-based safety is here to stay, and in digital twins, um, the digitalization subcommittee, we're really working hard on digital twins, which, you know, you know, which is basically a digital representation of like a physical object or a process or service. And it's a digital replica of that object in a physical world. And so as engineers, we run system dynamic and response tests to accurately predict outcomes against that. So against that, that digital twin, so that when we design the real life machine, the outcome is the outcome that we predicted. You know, we talk about modeling a process and modeling things. This takes it to a whole nother level, uh, to where your outcomes, uh, are, are, are are completely encompassed in what real, what's what's going to be reality. in the um, uh, um, with that, we can now tack on artificial intelligence to help us make decisions. And that's where our uh, our CIFAS software that we developed is, is is a pretty hot commodity for us right now because we do we have a predictive rules engine in there that is not artificial intelligence but it's that first step toward adding it where we can start to we're making decisions based on the current known sensor data that's coming in uh, for the process and then the rule is going to make the best possible outcome decision uh, for what that machine is supposed to do now pretty soon the rules engine could be modified in real time through artificial intelligence to say hey This is what's happening now because the process has changed. We can start to make changes instead of having coding, you know, coders come in and code code it up again and add another rule or or a thing like that. So these, those, those items, you know, the ground-based safety, the artificial intelligence, the autonomous machines and the digital twins are, they're here to stay over the next five to 10 years. But it's, it's going to advance at a level that is very exciting, so to speak.
0: Uh, That is, that is exciting. Um, Has that movement toward... Industry 4.0 changed the skills required for your new hires and, and how you train existing workers?
1: Yes. And it's and it's interesting, um, you know, in the past, we've, we've just been actively looking for level one engineers and we were designing the machines based on the customer requirements. The machine goes out, the customer operates the machine and they do whatever dance they were doing before. Um, you know, to determine what their, their process flows were gonna be and how their production outcomes would be. We're, we're now with, with the, the development of the CIFA software that we developed, we hired some, we're hiring software engineers now. We ne- we've never had software engineers here at Morgan before. We're, we're hiring uh, what we call level two engineers, which are the network um, product tracking and ID engineers to track the product through the process. And then the level one guys do the application engineering and the machine design. And that's all those level two guys will also encompass the networking to communicate back and forth to the software developers that are that are bringing data from all the way down at the sensor on the machine all the way up to the level three business systems all the way through. And uh, it's quite exciting to have all of these disciplines under one roof collaborating right getting back to your core values and then the, it flows down to the machine design to challenge the machine designers to think differently about the machine you know because of that so it's it's advancing our ability or our quality our excellence in the things that we're doing at a, at a pace that is you know just keep your hands off the reins mark and let the let the young kids go <laughs> you know type, type thing it's uh it's quite it's quite exciting
0: Yes, I mean that. That adds that definitely adds to the workplace diversity. Have you had any any challenges in recruiting?
1: Um, yeah, there's always challenges, right? Uh, uh, with, with with finding people, uh, we 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 have taken a different approach. We're into attraction. You know, we're not waiting for people to come, and so we're getting out and we're talking about what a great place it is to work. You know, we get back to that community, civic mindedness uh, that is very popular amongst the. Uh, the, the current uh, graduating classes coming out of the colleges and universities, they want to make sure that it's not about, you know, everybody wants to make a lot of money, but while they're doing that, they also want to make a difference in people's lives and being able to make sure that we can do that and offer that here is a, is has been a game changer for us. And, uh, and, and, and we're not afraid to change the, the work rules here to be hey, I can, work in, I can work from home, or I can work in Florida, you know, or I can work in Texas, or I can work in different parts of, uh, of America and, and still collaborate and develop because we're embracing the technology that exists to allow us to have a mobile work, workforce. The, the kids today that are coming out, you're, you know, that's what they want. They want to be able to, to have an opportunity to see the world. They want to have an opportunity to make sure they're happy you know, you know, some some of their their time, but they want to make a difference in their community and they also want to work for a company that's challenging them technically as well. And we we, we have all, all of that to offer and we've been very successful here. Uh, you know, through the pandemic, we ended up hiring 44 people.
0: That's great. So
1: I was pretty excited about that. Um,
0: and uh, speaking of local community, I, I noticed that you've partnered with the Alliance City Schools to promote the importance of safety among the district's elementary school students through a calendar drawing contest do you see that as a way to introduce students early on to manufacturing as a potential career
1: absolutely absolutely because college is not necessarily for everybody and and it it is it, it manufacturing i don't think gets a a good um uh, uh push publicly on what a great career it can be today you know, we're, we're, you're, you're, you're dealing with, you know, uh, the latest in advancements in technology in the manufacturing industry. And, and it doesn't mess, all positions in manufacturing don't require you to have a college education, you know, for it. And, but you can have a rewarding career that pays well. And we, we've taken on the challenge of, of going down into the, you know, the elementary schools. In starting to educate because it's uh, it's about changing your community and transforming it, right? It starts there. And this program that we started, this little competition we do and uh, the donations that we give to the elementary schools has uh, really paid big dividends amongst our, our customer base because we ship these calendars out to our customers. And when our sales guys and they travel around and our engineers are around, they, the customers love them. They have them hanging in their offices, hanging on their bullet boards and things, and uh, and they're starting to do that in their local communities too. So I feel like we've you know, pioneered something else here. But they 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 thought about it as you asked the question. You know, it's familiarizing the young kid with, hey, here's another career path I could have. You know, here's another you know uh, uh, opportunity that that doesn't necessarily require the stigma of having to go on to college. Or or secondary education, you know, and uh, uh, incurring that big cost if it's not really for them, you know, so um, yeah, it's been a great program and, uh, and we've done a good job also of getting out into the trade schools and having that same conversation as well, so I've done quite a few talks in the trade schools on, on what manufacturing looks like today.
0: Fantastic. Uh, as we wrap up, uh, is there anything that you would like to say about what's next for, for Morgan?
1: more automation for our manufacturing processes in-house. We have some neat projects coming up with robots and welding. Uh, We have a technology that we've uh, developed that we're getting ready to uh, actually put into place here over the next couple of years that would actually open up a whole new product line for the custom engineered solution manufacturer to help them with robot welding. You know, it's something that I've been looking at for a long time you know, and there's not a solution out there for it. And it's, uh, we've always been, you know, wanting to, to, we're, we're, doing it for our customers. Now we have to do it for ourselves to help ourselves be more productive. And, and I use it with the, you know, I call it the Xbox one S kit, being productive in a manufacturing environment. Um, you know, a lot of people put that in a negative light, you know, when they start thinking about the kids today that are coming out, but they just want to work efficiently and effectively. Is all they're asking you to do, and they're challenging the status quo. The status quo, and so by getting getting the technology up in our into our fabricating and wel- welding processes, we're going to attract kids into that. I think at a, at a at a pace that is going to be very rewarding for us to as we as we set our you know as we're executing our business plan. It'll help us attract talent quite quite a bit, you know, for it. And then uh, the last thing, as we always do, is the uh, the good Lord gave you two ears and one mouth to listen to us twice, twice as much as you talk. And we listen to our customers' problems so that we can find, develop innovative solutions to help them make more profit. And that's really what it came down to with our Cephas software. You know, we was listening to the customer and the customer's pain points and their pinch points, and said, ha. I have an idea. <laughs> so so that's the that's the big next big thing for us. So
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much Mark for coming on the show.
1: Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate it.